Aye, so I still can't sell my copy of Red Dead Redemption 2 for the PlayStation 4. So if anyone would like it, um, <laughs> I am offering it for the mere price of a tenner. All right? So if you would like it, <laughs> Red Dead Redemption 2 for the PlayStation 4, I will give it away for I a tenner. i tell you what, a tenner is an absolute bargain for that game because the game is brilliant. <laughs> It is. I, I don't know why. I don't know why you, of all people, don't like it. To be honest, I know that's a very David Campbell kind of game. Uh, it's, it's a David it's Campbell like kind of game. Con- it's a country western game. Like, as I'm, like, it's basically like a movie, but oh, you're playing sure. it in a game. Oh, oh, it is, mate. It's like Tarantino. It's got Tarantino, Tarantino, like music and stuff. At certain points, you're just like running. You're going through like a canyon or something. Mm-hmm. And then these bandits jump you, but then the music just starts playing like you've got no choice, you know what I mean? Listen, all right, see really? if I had time to sit down and love it, all right? But see, at the end of the day, if it's a choice between Red Dead and Spider-Man, Spider-Man's just faster to get places, Jack, all right? <laughs> oh, I think that was my problem with it, actually, because I actually 100%ed Spider-Man and then started Red Dead 2, and I think that's exactly what my problem was, just the slowness, but... See, to be fair, in Jack's point, the whole point of Red Dead 2 is not a game, it's an experience. You need yeah. to feel I get that. going through it. Love I it, get mate. that. But so, whose dog's gone absolute bush? My dog. It's me, no, I don't even have a dog. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's two dogs now. There's a dog outside. It's all kicked off, people. I don't know what's happening. kicking off. There's dogs barking at each other. One's in the street. One's out in the street. Oh, my God, what's going on? Anyway, Kill Bill Volume 1 and Volume 2. Um, is what we're exploring this week. We're just going to ignore the sound of animals in the background. Um, <laughs> released in 2003 and 2004, respectively. They were meant to be the one movie, um, but then you can thank Harvey Weinstein uh, for splitting them in two, the big <laughs> bastard. All right? um, it's about a character who is the bride. Um, she gets attacked on a wedding day, shot to the head by Bill. Um, she then goes on a revenge mission uh, to kill everyone involved in that day, uh, finally dealing with Bill at the very end. Um, uh, yeah, it's got really good scores on Rotten Tomatoes and stuff like that. Um, we put out a wee Instagram poll today um, to ask how many people would be interested in seeing a sequel to Kill Bill. We had 77% say yes. We had two no's, um, so the two corners, Connor McCann and Connor Sweeney, are now banned uh, from this particular <laughs> show. Um, guys, I'm just going to give you uh, the open floor here. Kill Bills, before you watched it, were you excited to watch it <laughs> at all? Uh, uh, right, so I've never been interested in watching Kill Bill Volume 1 or 2. I don't know why this didn't appeal to me. I didn't know what they were about. I just, something about them didn't appeal. And then you mentioned how they're your top two favourite films of all time. Mm-hmm. And of you, of all people, Truff, I was like, hmm, he's seen a lot of fucking films. So maybe he's onto something. So when you said you were doing this to the podcast, I was like, Watch the first one, and I watched the first one and was uh, taken aback. I didn't expect it to be so what's the word wacky. Yeah, it's wacky. Yeah, yeah, it's um, wacky. Like fuck me. What? It's it's wild. And then I started realizing. Um, I watched the second one, and I just realized it's he's trying to be. It's like he's making a film about like sixties fucking weird Japanese samurai films but like <laughs> with a twist on it and then I was like this is not what I expected to happen but it's just so weird. it's fucking glorious Jack I know you like I don't think I didn't actually expect you to like it because of the problems you have with like certain other movies and stuff I was like I don't know if the pieces are going to fall in together did you feel the same way when you heard about Kill Bill? No I mean I was the opposite I, I, I was uh, I hated it 
I hated how you used to go on about it. For me, it was like the last thing I wanted to watch. I hated when you used to enjoy yourself. <laughs> no, you just used to go on about it all the time, and the, the the whole idea of it just never appealed to me. But I didn't know anything about it. I never knew anyone near as half uh, half as much as I thought I would have. Um, and then when I watched it, I was just blown away. I thought it was class. The story, the whole way through it, it's just fucking brilliantly written. Yeah. Um, and it's One it's just it's really it's really Tarantino as well. Just. I, like, as you say, a bit wacky, but there's a there's a whole element of seriousness to it, and the underlying tone is just so serious. And at the end, like, uh, oh, I don't know. At the end, it, it just it just comes together beautifully, doesn't it? Like, it, does, it does come together beautifully. It is. The, you see, oh. the weird thing about it is, I was thinking back. So I was like, come back from work today. I was thinking about what I was going to say and stuff, and I was realizing there's two films that are a solid, like maybe two hours each. Yeah. But see the actual storyline. There's nothing. I'm not saying there's not much happens, but see in terms of, like, if you were to explain the story, it's an arcade it, mode of Mortal Kombat. It's main. It's just. <laughs> it's is. just. I'm going to kill. It's like exactly the title says, "Kill Bill," yeah. and then it's like in between. It's just like boss one, boss two, boss three, boss I, four. Why yeah, and because I'm realizing like there's. I mean, and I'm saying there's not much happens again, but there is like so much detail into the wee bits, like her breaking out of the coffin, mm-hmm. and like her training and like see the whole when Kill Bill won with the cartoon part it's all like backstory mate listen alright I want to go in a sort of order here because I think to really dissect both these movies you need to just go through the plot alright so opening oh. scene of Kill Bill is probably this I'm going to say this a lot because my favourite movie of all time but that opening scene is just fucking perfect alright like this uh, right. oh mate and he's standing over like, do you find me sadistic in that whole speech like this isn't me being sadistic this is me being masochistic all the pieces are there uh, to hint that Bill loved the bride you know what I mean and it's just great when he pulls out that handkerchief with Bill sewing into it before shooting her and then oh, Nancy, yeah. Nancy Sinatra hits it just really it puts you in the movie you know what I mean? And I don't think... Can you guys think of an opening of a film that's as impactful as that right away? Baby Driver. That's a good one, actually, because it's right into an action scene with Baby Driver. It's, it shows you exactly what you're in for. You're in for a getaway guy who's a wee bit guilty for what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I agree with you. I thought it was... I think from what I took from the opening, definitely, I was going to say was the the very... Not subtle, but obvious, the very obvious when the handkerchief for the bill. And I was like, that's both... Like both in your face and very clever. Um, yeah, it just is so but, so obvious. I think you do. Well, here's the name of my fucking main villain, and he's doing any handkerchief. It's fucking class. I, love I was. It. I felt bad. No, felt bad. But like, I was watching both Kill Bill, thinking because I remember thinking like when I show people like my favorite films, I'm like, oh, I wish I could watch this for the first time again. And I was thinking, oh, Trufford, I would love to watch this for the first time again. Mm-hmm. And I was watching it, thinking like every scene is such a fucking. Like, I feel like you, every scene in that film you're totally glued to, and I feel like yeah. that's what Tarantino wanted you to do. Every scene you're attached to something or someone, or uh-huh. there was clues hinted throughout it. Well, it's just like you um, said there, like, without Kill Bill, I wouldn't be doing this. Like, Kill Bill is the movie that made me really, like, want to just get off my arse and, like, right, I'm going to go and write and make stuff. I'm going to go make a podcast. Yeah, it does. It, like, it encouraged <laughs> me to just look at film, like, in an entirely different way, like, without Kill Bill. 
like it didn't I wouldn't have had my eyes open to what I wanted to do. Like this movie literally changed my life, like watching it for the first time. Um so you will not get a better first time watch than that. So fuck everyone else. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um and then it goes into something Jack, I had this discussion with you before actually about pulp fiction and how I actually am one of the few people who believe that showing Pulp Fiction in order doesn't quite work for me sometimes. I sort of go back and forth for that. Does it work with you with Kill Bill? Obviously, the first scene we see after uh, the bride being shot, it goes uh, ch- uh, to chapter one, two, and she we see the scene with Fernita Green in the house. Is it mm-hmm. going out of order at that point? Does it suit the story for you? Aye, it does. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it suits Tarantino's style. It does. Uh, it's... It's like again, kind of going on that wacky feel to it, like just a kind of uh, a really mismatched feel. Yeah, but I think no, I think it it does suit it. It's like also got that kind of comic feel to it as well, um, oh. which is he's going for in the first volume, and then the second volume for me, it's still still kind of heavily manga based because it's obviously uh, like the, the tale of Pai Mei and stuff is really. It just sounds such like a Japanese story, oh. like really yes. nice. Um, a really nice way to put it, and that's why I said that it just makes it really, really nice at the end mm-hmm. uh, when I, it all like, comes together. I like that comparison between uh, like the black and white of that opening scene. Uh, you can see the blood and stuff like that, and it's really murky. It actually mm-hmm. looks probably more gruesome in black and white. Uh, but then we go immediately into that like huge Technicolor shot, and like the yellow of the pussy wagon just pops, like you know, out of the screen as soon as it enters. It. <laughs> Happen your <laughs> pussy wagon. Oh, it's so glass. <laughs> and then uh, look, what people have said. We'll talk about the possibility of William Feel later on. Uh, she ends up killing Vernita Green uh, in the knife, like not in a knife fight as it's meant to be after dark, dressed all in black. Uh, she ends up killing her in front of her daughter. Um, and a lot of people have said that uh, that Nikki uh, would be the protagonist of a Kill Bill Roman Free seeking her revenge. Yeah. Did like what did you make of that? Look at that at that point. It was um, when I watched it, I thought it was like obviously I walked into it blind. I didn't know anything about it, so see when they were fighting and. Like mm-hmm. I thought it was funny when the when she came in and then she was like, "What's going on, mum?" and like international <laughs> that it was quite like I was like obviously right and she went, "Oh, mummy's strange, just over blah, 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 right." And I thought, "Oh, she's not going to kill her." And I was originally thinking maybe like she'll help her kill Bill because she seemed to like they forget forget about the fight after the Wayne's there. Right. And then when they, when she done it in front of the Wayne and she like know that she was um, she felt guilty or anything, but she just turned and went, "Listen, I had to be done." Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a bit, it is, and as Jack keeps saying, it's very Tarantino. He doesn't beat around the bush. He would fucking like mm-hmm. he will kill your mum in front of your <laughs> in front of you kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but regarding Kill Bill Three, um, it's only till you put the poll up and I started looking into it that people want a Kill Bill Three. But I thought it ended nicely. <laughs> I thought it was uh, really. It's just cool. because of stuff like that that's set up. Because obviously, spoiling what we're going to go ahead, you have that loose thread with Nikki. Um, obviously, we know Sophie Fatal um, is still alive in hospital. Um, we know mm. L Driver, her fate undetermined. She is blind in a wee caravan with a poisonous snake. <laughs> Take from that what you will, but she could survive by like the rules of manga and comic books and stuff like that. So uh, I think it's because there's a lot of open threads there. Um, yeah. But the world is deep. Uh, but I'll, after that scene, we get to um, a couple of my favourites. That's probably one of my favourite portions. That's when I hooked into the first, uh, first time I've seen it. Uh, Jack, we get those country detectives who go in and they're looking at the crime scene. We're never going to see them again. Uh, but it comes into that wee uh, Rick Nelson song, which finds out she's still alive. 
we go to the hospital and we get the twisted nerve scene, mm-hmm. uh, which I absolutely love, man. L driver and that like classic nurse suit um as well. And we hear Bill again, like and, oh, it's just so perfect. I'm sorry, I'm marking out here. Um but <laughs> <laughs> I have to say L driver is my least favourite character. This is me yeah. just wee, I just want to get a wee bit of negativity out. Because it wouldn't be me if uh, if I was just gonna bum no. the whole time. No. But uh, L- <laughs> I think you would have a top eye. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. no! Carry on, Jack. Carry on. <laughs> fill the gap. Fill the silence. Uh, I, oh, I, fill the I gap. Just, poor choice of words. <laughs> for God's sake! <laughs> <laughs> just big horny bastards. Oh, let's go, Jack. There you go. <laughs> Anyway, One I, thing I will say, but I, <laughs> I agree with Jack, L Driver, uh, see every time she was on screen, I just thought kind of she, she was, I, I was boring and she was annoying, and then especially in volume two as well, I just felt like you're up in the ass and you've got one eye shut up. <laughs> actually, though, I, I actually completely agree with you. I think that's by design, though. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I feel like you're not meant to like her at all. Yeah, we've got yeah. some cool villains in there, you know what I mean? You've got Oren, you've got Bill, like, they're Aye, all Bill, sort of Bill's class, mate, and I think uh, Butch as well is just, just the fucking yeah. scummiest bastard ever, but you can't help but like him. Like he just has such an agreeable outlook. Like he's just he's just sitting there on his on the uh, Portuguese caravan, like with his shotgun, just been like, <laughs> uh, we're we're all gonna have to die, or you know, like, yeah. or, 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 maybe, or maybe we'll kill her, or you know, and, exactly. Like the and cool, then, cool and then it happens, and he's just he's like, I'm gonna bury our life. Is yeah, well, uh, he gets she gets out of the hospital. Um, uh, she kills Buck, who wants to fuck. Uh, I think the less said about that scene, the better. Um, even the sight of like the the knife like hacking the Achilles heel as he comes in the door, that's brutal enough to me, man. Like I, yeah, I, I physically yeah. recoil every time like I see that. I'm like, oh, that just like oh, that would hurt like hell. Um, but then we do get that anime sequence uh, when she's in the car talking about who she's going to kill first, um, and it's the origin of Oren. And guys, oh, I cannot like un. I can't verbalise to you where my mind and heart went the first time I seen this because I'm just like this. I've never seen this before in a uh, live action film that just cut into a full fucking length anime scene of the origin of one of your characters and it's just absolutely insane. And do you know right. what it does? Like I had Oren on my top villains list because we're talking about the list last week and how we want a villain that mm-hmm. we don't necessarily like, but we understand. But understand, yeah. <laughs> I understand Oren completely. I kind of side with well, Oren that's why, more. That's like, why I'm, I'm a big this. fan. Just, just in a real, in a real general sense, I'm a big fan of like origin sequels and uh, sorry, origin prequels and um, even even origin se- even sequels and stuff as well uh, to learn more about a character or, or just finding out more about them. Yeah. Uh, that's what like I feel like comic and anime. Uh, and manga do really well is just expose it like expose it to you so that you know enough about them because the world is so vast that you don't need to doesn't need to be a big twist at the end like see if it's there in plain plain sight sometimes it's just more effective when you when you see them overcoming like Definitely, and it's you know, like the, the, the she fought from being like orphaned uh, by the yakuza to becoming like the chief of that gang. You know what I mean? Like that's something. Like mm. that is something right there. And look, it actually reminded me watching this for the first time of seeing some of the effects in the cinema of Spider-Man: uh, Far From Home. By the way, it's the same sort of reaction when they get to the bit uh, in Spider-Man: Far From Home. You know, I'm referring to 
Um, like you get that same like are, are I really seeing this right now you know what I mean oh right I was I was thought you were like saying there was the exact same scene like she nah. was like chopping, <laughs> chopping somebody's head off and then I'm like did I miss that and far from home Aunt May's anime origin where she becomes the chief of clan that would be don't give Sony any ideas by the way <laughs> they would actually do that <laughs> crazy um, no definitely I thought I see when I first when it started like I thought it was just going to be like a like a quick one, you know what I mean? But it lasted mm-hmm. long, but it was really... I thought it was bold as well, like, considering that Tarantino... How many films do they have under his belt at this point? He but, like, done he, Reservoir Dogs, Jackie Brown, and Pulp Fiction uh, before he did Kill Bill Volume And he one. just totally switched... I mean, not totally flipped the film for the rest of the film, but he just totally made it so, so different and then took up a good chunk. And I thought it was really mm-hmm. clever and it was amazing to watch. Like, it's so you bold. Were me- you were so mesmerised by it. Aye. And it was just so... I don't want to be like that guy and say it was beautiful, but it was. It was just pure <laughs> beautiful. No, it, was no, really it, was... Well drawn. it was really well no, drawn. It was really well drawn. I think it... that, again, like, I know I keep I keep going back to like being, uh, being comic and stuff, um, but I feel like the comic strip as well, you get away with more and it, it, there is a more, more of a feel to it mm-hmm. um, where you... Like you can you can show the graphicness of it, so it's obviously trying to show like how how brutal this upbringing was and like what happened to her when she hid under the bed when her parents were killed and stuff. Aye, like it's just really really gritty. Whereas like it doesn't sometimes doesn't really come across if it's acted live action. Aye, and the music like, the in that bit was class and all. Uh, the the fact that they've given it a bit of Japanese culture, mm-hmm. yeah. the fact that it's a manga style, but also well, just to kind of just to show, as I said, the grittiness of it, like how graphic it is. Uh, that um, bit was actually directed by uh, Kazuto Nakazawa um, and his production company um, who had made the Ghost in the Shell, the original Ghost mm-hmm. in the Shell movie mm-hmm. uh, that was adapted into the ScarJo movie, which I never saw. Uh, and then a movie called Blood, The Last Vampire, which I will definitely watch after. <laughs> if it's um, made by Anything. the same guy. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Anything definitely. made by that guy. And then we get the scene we see Lucy Liu for the first time. Uh, One third of uh, the infamous... <laughs> the infamous Charlie's Angels uh, coming on the screen. Um, if Bill Murray says she can't act, then Bill Murray is a fucking idiot. I'm sorry. Uh, see that bit? She's so classy. Disrespect. I, I don't give a Bill fuck. Murray can Seriously. fuck off. He's I already going all day. I've given him his fucking dues. <laughs> but Bill Murray, he's a fucking cock. Listen, Bill, if you want to come on first time films for an interview, <laughs> you can talk to me. It's absolutely fine. <laughs> we'll burn our bridges, but I love that scene where it's the first meeting of the Yakuza clan and you've got the mean grumpy guy in the corner. We'll call him Nicky. I don't know why. Uh, but he's sitting there <laughs> and he's just moaning about uh, the Chinese, Japanese, American... Uh, Sounds like her, Nicky. Guy who's, uh, who's moaning about her becoming the head and she just walks on the table and just slices his head I, off. See that bit, by the way, that, like... I, I get what you know, like he was uh, he wasn't happy that it was a woman in charge. Aye. But see when she just got up and like the way she not even ran, but the way she <laughs> strode across the table and sliced his head off, I was like, that's honestly the coolest thing I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> so class man. Like she's such Fucking a class villain. And then she just starts speaking in like this polite American accent after that. Like so like controlled before she eventually holds up his prosthetic head and screams, Oren, 
I salute you. All right, but I want to talk about another iconic character. All right, there's so many in Kill Bill. This is what I love about Kill Bill. Do you know what it is? It is the Star Wars of Quentin Tarantino. You've got so many characters, man. You've got so many backstories. You've got so much everything. It's just amazing. Hitori Hanzo, that lore, yes. the sword maker, and the sushi place. And it, oh, <laughs> the oh, swords. oh, it's oh, just mate, it's just amazing. Like, would you guys not pay mega money for the Hanzo sword? Because I'd pay obscene uh, money for the Hanzo sword. Do you know what, again, oh. like, it's just the subtleties, man. Like, I, I think the fact that you're led to believe that Butch Pondy's sword, again, to just make him this absolute low life, but then you're like, nah, nobody would actually pawn. And he didn't, it was just, but at the same time, he kept it in a golf Unbelievable. Fucking excellent, right? And then she, just like in her moment of absolute need, it's there, mate. It's like the fucking Gryffindor sword. <laughs> yeah. What's that called again? Oh, Truff, what's that called again in writing? It, oh, fuck. It's it's like, it, oh, no, <laughs> it, I know I was going to say. It's like um, when basically for the story to progress, it needs this one thing, and oh, it's like the, a coincidence. It's no called. It's, um, that's exactly what it's called. Yes, I was about to say X Machina, but no. I dare say X Machina when it means like if for the story to keep going, you need a plot device and. It's like, I think it's more... Right, fuck it, I'm going to have a tangent. Keep going. Ooh, people, nah, people call it the Eagles. Terms, just, just, just refer it to the Eagles. Talk to me about short, shorthand. Yes, the fucking Eagles feel all the things. Ah, it's the Eagles, mate. That's uh, what it is. Like, it's just the Eagles. Um, but uh, we eventually get to my favourite film sequence ever shot. And it took... You've said that about every scene so far. Uh, no, uh, but that, uh, I said have. that it's uh, my favourite opening. And my favorite, <laughs> that's my favourite scene of all time. And it's the fight um, in the House of Blues. Um, against the crazy eight. Now I'm looking at the. I'm trying to actually get five, a solid figure here. Playing, oh mate, I'd see the fuck out of them live, man. I'd, wa- I'd, I'd see the fuck I'd fucking see them fucking fuck fuck. I tell you, I can see them far off live, mate. Um, but between six and eight weeks, it's saying for this uh, one scene or this one sequence to be shot. They stated six and eight weeks they filmed in the House of Blues, and you can tell the work that's went into that man. Like, like even just. Everything for the fight against the crazy eight, to the fight against Gogo, who's another super cool character uh, coming in there with a fucking what do you call that? Is it? It's not a mace, is it a mace? Uh, uh, I know you mean that, yeah, yeah, the man. fucking big ball and the spiky oh, Fucking spiky ball, man. She's hitting you with a big spiky ball and it's class. Spiky ball, man. Oh, it's amazing. And then, like, so eventually we get through that scene. But like I said, six to eight weeks they took to shoot that, and I think that just shows like the actual craftsmanship. That Tarantino puts into his work that he's went to Japan, he's booked out that studio, he's got like actual people who worked in these movies. You, like you said he was trying to make one of these Kung Fu movies in the 60s. He's got people who worked in those movies to help out this scene for six to eight weeks. Like, that's insane. You know what I mean? And it just looks brilliant. Costumes are class. All like, practical just... effects and all. Like there's yeah. no um there's no uh, computer generated graphics in anything yeah. that scene. Everything they used apparently used condoms uh, like filled with fake blood. Uh, to create the effect of like uh, the blood spraying out and stuff like that. Oh, like it's cool. It's really cool. Uh, one thing I will say, I was watching it and I remember you telling me truff about Uma Thurman, Thurman, Thurman. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to say name right. <laughs> um, she fucked her back. Fucked uh, yes, that was in volume two when she's driving the car. Uh, what? The, I wouldn't have been if any scene it would have been in that scene I was like ah, surely she, she, surely at one point she's her back here no I'll tell you that story now it, like, basically it was in volume 2 when she's driving the car up to Bill's house um, for, like through the woods quite fast you know what I mean like on the country road 
Yeah. Uh, and she said to him before that, I'm not a great driver. I don't feel really feel comfortable doing it. We've got the stunt driver here. Can she just do it? Uh, and he was like, no, no, it'd be fine. It's going to be whatever. Um, Oh, brilliant Tarantino impression. Thank you, thank you. It's, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine, don't worry. Uh, that's more Marty. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, so basically she crashed into a tree, fucked her back. So, um, a sea of all scenes, but I know. honest to God, like, of, uh, both films of all scenes to fuck your back in, you'd think it would just be like a pure mental mad stunt Aye, like, when but, spicy, nah, nah. the spiky bottle being flung, flung at you, you know what I mean? Nah, <laughs> um, but apparently, um, because they had a great working relationship, like Tarantino moved to New York um, when, when he wrote this script to be around Uma, um, so they could write it together, because they came up, both of them came up with the character together on the set of Pulp Fiction. Uh, so that's why when you see the credits, it's created by Q&U, uh, Quentin and Uma. Um, they had a great working relationship. Quentin considered her his muse at a time, um, and she considered <laughs> him to be his great creative partner, but they've never worked together since after that incident, um, which I think is a, it's a damn shame. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's a um, damn it's, shame. It is. It's partly <laughs> to do with Weinstein and Miramax refused to release the footage unless um, like she claimed responsibility for it. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until the Harvey Weinstein stuff came out that she was able. To, uh, Quentin was actually the one to get her the footage, yeah. uh, and took full. He took full responsibility for the incident and stuff like that. So I think there's been bridges mended to an extent, but it's hard. Like, like I know myself. Like, it's hard when you're even <laughs> in any working relationship with anyone. You know what I mean? When that trust is broken, like to regain it in a sense. You know what I mean? It's like it's a weird one, but it's, but it's pretty sad. What a um, sad story, mate. Fucking hell, like not honestly, what a downer I'm in, by the way. <laughs> friendships, honestly. Uh, friendships broken up over it. But anyway, we get to the end of the movie, she's killed every cunt, mate. Uh, she's killed, <laughs> she's killed every everyone. Oh. That's an understatement, man. She killed most of Japan in that one. Honestly, at one point, point, I was like, ah, she's at the wind up, she's killing everybody that's even got sold anymore. Economy never recovered from that. Um, but uh, she has that wonderful sequence in the in the snow. In fact, I wanted to bring this up because it's not, um, or really anyone, but I've always, it was on my fourth time watching this, I came up with this theory, in fact, I'm convinced about it, it was really clever writing. I believe that um, the bride and Oren were best friends uh, before the incident in the yeah. wedding chapel. Now, it's because Oren's making the joke with the bride, uh, Sally Rabbit tricks her for kids, Rabbit, Peter Rabbit, Beatrix Potter yeah, tricks. Yeah. Beatrix, yeah. hinting that she knows her name. Now, is they use code names for a reason. They don't tell each other the real names. So the fact that Oren is making up like a private joke between the two of them about the bride's real name, like, does show there's a deeper relationship between the two. And I think you can see that in the final fight as well. I also, you know no, what I mean? yeah, no, I, I actually think that's a good theory. But I'm pretty sure um, everyone knows her name by that point, though. Yeah, because they say her name, uh, Bill and Butch uh-huh. say her name in too. Like, but the, I know Bill and Bud say the name, but I think that's because he's. Bud, I think that's because Bud is. Um, <laughs> I've got my phone case here, Jack. It's easy for me, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> I kill Bill phone case with the names in the back. Uh, <laughs> um, but I think that's because like, Bud's obviously Bill's brother, so that's that familial relationship there as well. Um, but I do think there's something between Oren and the bride. And I've always said if there was to be anything for this, I'd love to see a prequel anime. About those guys in the oh, prime, definitely. like the deadly no, diapers. I, I think that'd be the best way I to go. I do agree. I do agree that I think their their relationship's pretty close. Just the language that they were saying. It. Obviously, I think you're you're led to believe that um, 
El Driver is quite close to it as well because they, they call each other by their names, I'm pretty sure. I think that's they're more of a um, rival. I think they're more of the sort of direct rivalry with each other, no, yeah. though, you know what I mean? With Oren, and it's the fact is the bride who tells us Oren's story, don't forget as well. Yeah. Why would she know it in that, in in that detail. precise detail? Uh, definitely. You know what I mean? And that's what it's like two sisters essentially squaring off at the and end of volume is, one. Yeah, I think that's what makes it more powerful. Admiration for it as well. That- you feel mm. that they have sort of uh, mutual respect when, when they kind of meet out in this new courtyard. And even when she apologises to her, she says, I'm sorry for disrespecting you there. In her eyes, and I love the way uh, Lucy Liu delivers mm-hmm. that, it's almost like she's apologising for everything else and all. Yeah. In her eyes, I watched the eyes. eyes. Right in the eyes. You see it in the eyes. <laughs> the eyes, the eyes, eyes. have it. The eyes have it, mate. Eyes That's honestly the most Glasgow uni film thing you've ever seen in this podcast. <laughs> when you watch your eyes, the worst. Oh, mate, no, definitely the worst. Uh, <laughs> I was so coming. much worse last week with uh, No Country, surely. Um, but uh, when you said you read a full book about the shots, and I was like, ah, brilliant, of course, obviously. <laughs> Even Kerry said that to me. She went, obviously, he's read a book about that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but then we get to the end of this movie, right? And it's a fucking, oh, the revelation. Just the way the music builds up and she's like, Bill is with Sophie in the hospital and then Bill's like, one last thing, Sophie. Does she know her daughter is still alive? Did anyone see that coming? No, no, I did not. Because they, they, see, I hate when this happens. I get annoyed with myself. (laughs) But like, you know how they like they kept hammering in how like she got shot in the head when she said Bill it's your baby blah 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 right and she kept and that's how she wanted revenge because it's her Wayne that's been stolen from her kind of thing Aye. so I should have seen it coming but I was like no you can't go in a coma for four years and no have a Wayne and then yeah. when that happened I was, I've got to admit it was a shock I was like wow <laughs> and it's such a good it's like a pure cliche I think that's another thing why it brings it back to like 60s 70s it's like it's such an obvious cliffhanger like like a, yeah. soap, like a soap opera kind of thing like but it just it. works though it like, just works though it's like you man. should be expecting like the East Enders <laughs> yes but that's kind of what it is it's that still the, the volume raises and the music after it and it is like that duffed up East Enders yeah. thing like it's amazing like Jack did you see it coming were you smarter than the rest of us on you're this smarter panel? than Luke is that what you're trying to say you're smarter than me <laughs> I didn't see it coming either no, mate. I, I didn't see it coming I think when I first watched the first one uh I was getting a bit tired towards the end, so and I, mm. and I think I went on to watch the second one like the next day or something. So I never, I, I never even really processed. Like, if I don't, I don't really remember it being like a big deal at the time. <laughs> if that no, makes sense. No, okay. no, that's fine. Then. No, I wasn't Everyone like. I don't think I was. Never asked. Oh opinion. no, he's, he's, he's saying it's shite. Trust me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's fine, mate. That's it's fine. We'll just, we'll just <laughs> see what happens. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> if you die tonight, it might have been me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> See the threats in this podcast we get by the way, listeners. Please phone that force. We do this against our will. <laughs> Part two, we get into it um, right away. Basically, it's the story of Bud, essentially, at the beginning, uh, more than anything else. Jack, you seem to be a big fan of him. Um, and he's, he's weird. Oh, no, no, I was a like fan of Butch. Bud, I'm not really bothered. <laughs> <laughs> Butch is Bud. Butch. Bud is Butch Light. Like, you know what I mean? Like Butch is Bud Light. I don't know. Um, but he, he's, he's a bouncer um, at this bar. Obviously, not a very good one. Uh, he wears his hat against his employer's wishes. You know what I mean? What the fuck is he doing? Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, he's wearing a cowboy hat. I wouldn't get away with wearing a cowboy hat at my work. I don't know about anyone else. but um, You've not tried, so fuck you. But that's also How brilliant true. are those little little wee cameo characters like that? You know that guy, like the, yeah. the club owner, just like what a distasteful guy. Mm. And then you see how you see how Bud acts around him. You're kind of like, I, I, 
I'd want to be like that. I'd want to just no care. You know? Yeah. He's Aye. he's like one of the ones that he's he's just like Bud's so disgusting and like so scummy, but like you you enjoy it because in in this character, like in this movie, the character's just brilliantly written. Like, you know what I mean? He just does not give a fuck about anything. And I think he uh, does, he, And that's the beauty of Michael Madsen, obviously, who'd been in I, I don't remember him being in Jackie Brown, he's definitely in um Reservoir Dogs before this. Um, so he'd worked with Tarantino before, but I think it's just brilliant casting for him coming back in this role. Definitely. Um, right, it's just that he's fantastic. Um, look, were you a big fan of the Bud character, and do you like that he actually he got the better of the bride? He seemed to outsmart. Yeah. So I I really liked him. As like Jack says, you kind of well as much as ask him like bastard and all the rest of it. Like <laughs> if you had that, if you were in his position, you would be acting the way he would be, not like a pure disrespectful dick, but like yeah. Um, like you just be would be like, I oh, can't be asked for you, can't be asked for you. And then I was kinda since it was the start of the film and like I, I thought he was just like um the bride was just gonna kill him. And then as soon as he opens the door he's standing there, I was like, Aye. obviously he's got more to what meets the eye. He's smarter, he knows Aye. what he's doing and all Listen, that. Listen, he was a member of the Deadly Viper, so at one point he was one of the best four assassins in the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Aye, so Man. that's what I mean. Like so when and he shot her and then and then they buried her, and like it was brutal. But I was like, I do enjoy. It's one of the again, it's one of the villains there. You kind of like you like because he's a bad bastard, but you understand <laughs> in a way as well. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing about Bud. He's meant to be that sort of like there's a not a coolness about him. Uh, it's actually but there's some. I no, I get what you mean. I, you don't want to say coolness because it gives him respect, but I. <laughs> it's it's so indeed. I don't even think he's cool at all. I actually, I think he's disgusting. If that makes sense. <laughs> something, it's entertaining. Uh, it's entertaining. Yeah. Exactly. Everyone in this, everyone out of the Deadly Vipers, are like, kind of obviously the main, the main villains. They all have like completely different personalities, and I just think Aye. like, you know, you go from Orenishi and her like. Her whole destiny, like she's got a whole oh, destiny. On, like, at all. Yeah. like you go from Alakasa, you go from the leader exactly. of the Japanese Yakuza to a man alone in his trailer in the desert. Exactly, like, but, like, but equal, like equal amount of ability, equal amount of smarts. Um, mm-hmm. So that's what I mean. You, you give him respect in that sense, but you actually, he is disgusting. He's he's exactly who you don't want to be or who you don't want to be. Uh, yeah, in, in most situations, but as Luke said, there is a, a bit of understanding there. You're like, he's actually he used to kill people for a living, and now all he does is nothing. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, all he does is exactly. literally nothing. Go to bingo and work as a, a bouncer and just drinking yeah. that. So, what well, he's he like, manages to bury her, um, like Bud manages to do that. Like, so that's like impressive to incapacitate the bride who was seen fucking kill countless people, exactly. and bury her in the fucking in the grave. Um, and again, and it's then... brilliant. It's, it's, uh, I, I mean, I know I, I can't say enough good things about the movie, but I think it's <laughs> I think it's brilliant. Just the um, the fact that it sets it up as if she is going to die, like it, it's like certain you're, she's been buried alive. You don't know how deep or whatever, but like you you feel so so closed with her in that scene, exactly in the coffin. I... Uh, and, and, you, and you're like, there's no something. way, there's no way she can get out of this. But then, because you learn again, like what I was saying about the comics, like revealing this whole backstory, this tale. You need something mystical. Ah, you need something. You need something. Yeah, exactly. More than just more than just a a good assassin. You need something amazing. Yeah, and something Luke, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to give you a wee bit of trivia here. I might blow your mind, but you might not know it. The guy who plays Pi May. Yes. You know, it's the same guy that plays Johnny Moe in volume one. What? 
Yeah, it's the same actor. Right, I was going to, I wanted to talk about Patty May, right? Because, <laughs> here we go. She, no, no, not even bad. Stupid <laughs> American. He is the coolest, <laughs> most stereotypical character I've ever seen in film, probably. He's just so, like, <laughs> leader samurai, and when he touches his beard, and then he hates women, he hates Americans, <laughs> and, he is, and I started laughing. I don't even know if it was meant to be a funny scene, but she was, like, trying to get her um, hand through the wood, and he's standing behind her, and he's, like, tapping his, like, stick, but then he's, like, the camera kind of zooms in his face, and he goes... Hmm, as if like she's actually learning. I'm like, I love this cunt. Yeah, it's so cool. Do you know what? I wish we had Pi Mate in every Yosushi. Um, because uh, like, where the cunts that can't use their chopsticks, he's just gonna whack it. Like, you know, can't use chopsticks? No, see when he spilt the rice, he's like, that's fucking brilliant. I feed it to the dogs. I obviously I'm going to skip ahead a wee bit, but uh, Pai Mei, um, I think one of the reasons we hate L Driver even more Aye. is the fact that she poisoned the bastard man with the coward's way out. Like, oh, absolutely fuming. I wanted a big fight with Pai Mei. I thought Pai Mei was going to go. Uh, we already seen Pai Mei best Bill because Bill comes back down the stairs. He's looking pure disgruntled and grumpy, and he's like, oh, I still can't beat that bastard. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> L Driver poisons him, man. Like that's such a it's such a good tactic to make us hate L Driver, but at the same time, if anything, I do feel a tiny bit shortchanged in the fact that Pi Me goes out that way. Do you guys agree, disagree with that? I uh, know I wanted more. I, uh, probably what you're thinking. I think I wanted more. I think I like it because it's it's uh, yeah, it's so harsh. Like it's such a a coward's way out. Yeah, uh, I'm forgetting about this. The guy that hosted <laughs> First Time Thrones, he loves her. A, a poison death or Aye. something like that, you know what I mean? Like, this, is, this is your bread and butter. It's the woman, you know a mean? woman's weapon. <laughs> a woman's weapon, Jesus. Um, and then, obviously, she uses the... Uh, Look, you were talking about her. She was learning the punch. She was getting better. Pai Mei recognised yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And she did. She got so good that she could punch her way out of a, a coffin six feet under and fly up through the mud. So, <laughs> like, that whole bit, I was like... Fly up close. So, I think... Well, I was going to say this earlier on, see, like, the Deus Ex Machina thing. Yeah. So, like, again, with the the sword and, like, everything else. And then, like, she's stuck in a box, as Jack said, you're thinking, no way, she's not getting out of that. And then it goes, oh, but she learned this years ago, and uh, aye, she can get out now. And you're like, I'm like wow, <laughs> now she's got this skill. But soon she broke out, and then the dirt fell on her. I was like, ah, nah, the weight of that dirt, would, nah, she wouldn't get out. There's no chance. And then I kept thinking, it isn't a real look. Get out. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm usually like that, but you've you've seen her fight off like a hundred odd cunts in there. And ah, you need you accept it at that point. You're just and, like, ah, and they, by like, some, of them, point. some of them have guns in that. Like some people have had guns, and she's still got this Hattari Sanso sword, and she's bested them all. So I'm like, ah, she can best a bit of dirt falling on her. Yeah, <laughs> um, we're going to actually. I'm going to take it off topic before we uh, go on to the next part. I want you to vote. Who had the best code name of the Deadly Vipers? Was it Oren with Cottonmouth, uh, Vernita Green with Copperhead, Bud with Signwinder, uh, L Driver with California Mountain Snake, or was it the Bride herself uh, with the motherfucking Black Mamba? Uh, who had the best <laughs> code name of the five? Uh, I think I don't know. I'll take I'll let Jack take on this one. Definitely the motherfucking Black Mamba for me. Motherfucking Black Mamba. I should have been motherfucking Black Mamba. You know, like, I thought that was a great line. Going back to the start, um, Black Mamba wins. Then if Luke's gonna no vote, uh, I was gonna just say, uh, what you got? What's... 
see the California mountain snake? Yeah. That's probably the coolest name, but it's a shame that she's an absolute <laughs> She is a weapon. Yeah, it's a shame. Um, obviously, L Driver's kill count goes up because she also uses poison as a weapon against Bud. Uh, she gives him the money for his Satori Hanzo sword, um, but uh, plants a uh, black mamba snake in there, uh, which poisons him and kills him. Um, the bride comes back, finds L Driver. They have a fight. Um, L's eye was plucked out by Pai Mei. Uh, the bride pucks out her other eye, leaving her blind. Uh, so, it's yeah, not a, not a good day for L Driver. Uh, but it was a good fight in that wee caravan. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, a, it's a nice wee uh, scrap. I know, I enjoyed it, but like, I just, I, I, I was a wee bit of satisfaction about me. I'm like, ah, like, see, I don't know about you, but see when you hate somebody on screen. Yeah, and they, they and they don't get killed, but something happens to them that makes them really crippled. So her being fully blind, I'm like, yes. Well, I, I did enjoy get it up. Yeah. I really enjoyed the fact that she was really blind, but I didn't. <laughs> Not I just blind, really blind. I hate <laughs> I did kind of cringe at the acting for that. Like it was just a wee bit over the top. Like we well, like, I'm going to be constantly wailing. Um... I I know you would be wailing like an another of that, but like I just couldn't. It You've just seen be... the first Blade Runner, haven't you? Yes. No. Right. She's in because he's in that. Did you mind her as much in that? As an actress, no, I didn't really mind her yeah. too much. No, yeah. uh, I just wasn't it. sure if it was another Anne Hathaway situation with you. No, uh, I, it's not like <laughs> I just hate her face. Like Anne Hathaway, I just hate her face. I know her face and I see it and I hate it. <laughs> see, L Driver, just, I don't know. Uh, just talking about bad acting, right? So the other night, Reservoir Dogs was on the telly, and there's no bad acting to speak about in that film. So, you absolutely, I'm going to absolutely <laughs> tell you there is. So, see when Tarantino. Is at the table. <laughs> Anytime Tarantino acts, I'm like, ah, sh- shut your mouth. Sh- 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 this is partly why this is up there in the list, and other movies go a bit down. Like Django Unchained, I'm no liable to you when I say one of the first things I think of when someone mentions that movie um, is Tarantino's scene as the Australian. <laughs> like, it's actual. Insane. Uh, I love it. Um, I'm going to say I something very controversial, it. and I've never ever seen Django Unchained. Right, look, from Have our you purposes, that is absolutely fantastic news. Oh my god, <laughs> the schedule's getting rescheduled. Honestly, that is, mate, I hope that is not something. That. I'm, that's something I'm so happy to find out tonight. Like <laughs> that's great news. Um, oh, that's got me really I actually hard. wanted to bring up because we're friends <laughs> with our dogs. And Django and Change, I wanted to bring up. Uh, we put a, a questionnaire out on the Instagram to ask what are some of your uh, favourite Quentin Tarantino movies. Um, and we did have a couple of responses. We had Conor McCann uh, with Death Proof once again highlighting why he is on football and not on film. Um, we had Andrew <laughs> McClellan with Django Unchained, a uh, movie Luke has not seen. Um, however, it's getting shouted out here as the finest of Tarantino's work. And Jay oh, wow. Donaldson underscore 97 uh, <laughs> says that Reservoir Dogs is the best of the bunch. James uh, so, uh, so thank you all very much uh, for your contributions to this week's show. So carrying on to the finale uh, of Kill Bill, we have the climactic showdown as the bride enters into Bill's home, and who does she find but her own daughter My pointing a God. fake gun at her? How heartbreaking, man. You did, nice. mommy, so die. Oh. Does he not remind you of Mr. Craig? It's the voice and the, the softness and the tone and the, the kind of the lisp, the slight lisp, you know. 
lovely. Oh, I love that comparison. <laughs> I don't know what else I was to say about this movie now. Like now you've pulled that card out, but um, <laughs> yeah, I think this scene um, just with David Carradine, and then she gets to put her daughter to bed. That's a heartbreaking. Like she's spent, she's killed hundreds of people, <laughs> like because she thought her daughter was dead. Like she's killed hundreds of people. Well, I mean. Right, I know you can be like, oh, she's killed a lot of people because she thought Wayne was dead, but she has killed a lot of people because she's been hidden away from Wayne as well. So, well, that's also swings true. and roundabouts. Right. So. but the thing is, like, and Bill, Bill knew there was no way back as well, so that's probably why he didn't see it here before now. Listen, Hen, all right, stop with the killing people because you're not still alive. Your Wayne is doing my hidden man. <laughs> <laughs> you can have her. I'll be sound. All right, <laughs> four years between pals, right? And then he gives the, the Superman speech, um, which I know um, I actually love. Um, he says that um, Clark Kent was Superman's secret identity. Yeah. And that's what he's saying with the bride was trying to do. She's saying that Beatrix Kiddo was always your secret identity. The bride, this killer, that's who you really are. And when you turned away from that, that is when you were turning away from yourself. And I, I really like what you, that speech does. It's absolutely insane. Like, mm. just that Superman comparison. You think Superman's like the most boring superhero there? I said it, right? So no one likes Superman on his own, right? He's just boring. He's bland. He can beat anything. You know what I mean? Yes. But, like, using taking mm-hmm. Superman and making him interesting, for me, class. Well in Quentin. You know what I mean? <laughs> well done, son. <laughs> well then, um, and then guys did we expect it did you, what were you expecting right a climactic long showdown between Bill and the, the bride but then you would be forgetting about the five point exploding palm technique yes. you know what I mean what uh, that was wild that was honestly I was like uh, right oh. <laughs> what <laughs> what is the response that you want to that scene because it's so funny. I feel like I feel like he got to that bit in the script and he's like ah no, this needs to go mental again. <laughs> like, you no, just I thought it was fucking just brilliant, mate. Beautiful. Unbelievable. And it's but the fact, because Paimon never taught him that. There is an actual kung fu technique where you can make someone, like, their heart explode after ten steps or something. Those are five steps. Unbelievable, yeah. mate. Five steps. Aye. Unbelievable <laughs> addition to what was already a flawless story. Like, oh, yes. Oh. Yes. That is the fact it's set up. Fucking it's not it. even that she's taught it. It's not even that the technique exists. Oh, it's no. that Pai Mei had never taught that yeah, technique exactly, to mate. anyone Not else. even Bill, mate, the master. Not even Bill. Not even Bill, man, for she taught it to heart. <laughs> I love this movie. Okay. It's so good. Imagine. <laughs> like, listeners, Chuff is in his room and he's pants. <laughs> you know the Gary Neville gets? Mate, like, it just tops That's off. Brilliant. It's an absolutely insane movie. Like... I cannot say enough good things about it, but I'm going to take it. That was my line. I fucking said that already. <laughs> <laughs> so the things we need to go into. Uh, Reza um, was uh, he collected the music for this movie. Uh, I thought Reza did a phenomenal job. Reza, um, Reza, if you Reza, Reza did if you know. didn't know, um, if you didn't know who Reza was, um, I obviously knew who Reza was because the Wu-Tang was in it. He was in the Wu-Tang Clan. Uh, with uh, the big, what's his name? Uh, big Grumpy Uncle or something. 
or uh, I don't know what it is. <laughs> big dirty bastard or something like that. That I is something like that. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, unfortunately, Nicky couldn't be here today. Otherwise, he would have all the Wu Tang Clan facts. He's a big Wu Tang Clan fan, uh, as it turns out. Rizza collected all the music for this movie. We had uh, scores composed by Ennio Morricone used in this movie. Jack, he also scored uh, one of your favorite Tarantino movies in The Hateful Eight. And Morricone came back for that score. The music in this movie, I'm just going to ask you both to pick one piece of music, one song or anything that's featured in this movie that stood out to you. I like the, the cover of Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood. Yes! Do you like that? Is, that is quite. Um, I can't remember who, done, who sings it. I do, because I have it saved in Spotify. Let me check. So, oh, it's Santa <laughs> Esmeralda. It. Santa, Santa Esmeralda. Aye, it's absolutely insane. I also um, did like the five, six, seven, eights as well, though. Like, I like that both those bits in the House of Blues because I feel like it's obviously authentic music. I think I always feel like that's I've said that before in the podcast. Um, when there's music, like, so a Baby Driver is a good example when like someone else can hear the music in the film, yeah. but like the the listener is also listening to it. It's not like a soundtrack over. The, do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's pretty cool. That I, like that. I like when in the movie there's music playing. Uh, when it's uh, rather than yeah, do you know what I mean? So that the, the characters in the film can obviously hear it and, and play off of it. I believe that's called diegetic music. Excellent. Oh yeah, fuck up, wanky <laughs> unit terms. What I'm just happy about is the fact that we've mentioned Baby Driver twice in this twice. <laughs> and uh, I'm just getting very, very excited about watching it, and then I get to tell you all about it. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in the baby, the baby Driver show coming up. Um, I wanted to say the piece of music that I always get from Kill Bill is Battle, Battle Without Honor's Humanity. Um, and it's the bit where Oren and our forces are here marching down the corridor. Uh, together it's like dun, 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 dun. Oh, I love right. that tune man um, <laughs> oh, Star Wars sorry I never answered because right I, I just didn't but see <laughs> um, right, I'm a huge fan of TikTok <laughs> so I'll come back I'm not just going off a tangent but sorry it's like, TikTok no. Not the Kesha song, they are. Oh, fucking hell. I thought you meant no, the no, the, the Kesha song the <laughs> Kesha song, exactly um, <laughs> no, see the bit when it's like <laughs> Yeah. Twisted nerve, yeah. Right, the, well, the, I didn't know... Th- that was Quincy I Jones. I thought that was that? a meme. No, it's Quincy it's Jones. And uh, they started playing it, I was like, ah, is Kill Bill using this as, like, I didn't hear a meme? And then I realised it's it's all came from Kill Bill, and I've just... I've been an absolute fud. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm going to be a wee... I'm going to be a wee jazz uh, snob and say that Quincy Jones, mate, is one of the best fucking jazz composers ever. Uh, oh, and he's composed you, countless, snob, countless amounts. I don't even film. I don't even study film or media or music or anything. Ah, going to listen to more of that in uh, first time jazz with Jack. <laughs> first time jazz. Yes. Sister podcast next week. First time jazz. Yeah, that will be a thing. That that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to Haggis talk anyway? Um, oh, well, Haggis talk. Off. <laughs> uh, I don't think is there anything else anyone wanted to bring up about Kill Bill. I wanted to actually talk about. Um, quickly the fact that Quentin wanted to release this as one movie, do you think it would have been anywhere as near successful as if it had been released as one film? No. no it would have been like chance. Game of Thrones season 8, Rushed. Rushed. Mm. Um, Important plot I, points missed. In my opinion, as I said earlier on, the plot is very, no basic, but it's very like revenge story. Um, yeah. And you could write it down in like two pieces of paper, but see because it was in two films and it spread out detailed and everything has been taken care of, and you could tell there's so much passion in every bit. 
I think mm-hmm. uh, it's just a lot, and I like it a lot, and I just want I like to say... I just like to say that I like films, and if anyone wants to talk about films, they should come on this podcast. But uh, I know I've thoroughly enjoyed it, and trust I can understand what you've been filmed. But also, it took me three tries to watch the second one because I kept falling asleep during the second one. Um, yeah. But the more I watched it, the more I was like, I, I really like this film. <laughs> Listen, so I wanted to also bro. talk about how, for me, this is the biggest Oscar stuff of all time. None of the Kill Bill movies were nominated for any of the Oscars. Sure. I think, I think, I honestly think that's a travesty of justice um, and it needs to be fixed um, <laughs> because it's honestly no 15 year later. I demand a she, was, she was nominated <laughs> for two she was nominated for two Golden Globes, two years in the trot for Best Actress, um, and David Carradine was nominated for Best Supporting Actress, Best Supporting Actor, um, for Bill uh, in the second film, mm-hmm. and um, but no Oscar nominations. <laughs> I honestly think it's a farce, um, and the Academy needs to sort themselves out. What a load of bollocks! Anyway, we'll be back in part two, uh, where we'll be talking about other stuff. Um, we'll be talking about part two, yeah. well we're talking about Mulan which I think strangely fits in kind of well uh, we'll be oh. talking about Maleficent uh, we'll be talking about oh. The Lion King that's coming out uh, we'll also be talking about David yeah. Fincher's next movie um, and the possibility of Bars Lerman doing an Elvis biopic starring Harry Styles tune in for that question mark question mark, question mark. tune in for that right. <laughs> All right, guys, just to remind you of the other uh, shows you can catch in the FT Podcast Network, you can check out Full Time Football, um, where recently Jordan Sneddon did an interview with Cammy Bell. Uh, you can also check out the rest of that back catalogue, uh, including the full episodes of Full Time Football, um, and Conor McCann's interview with Stuart Bannigan, and of course myself interviewing Chloe Arthur. Um, we've also got our new channel, FTTV. Um, which has risen from the ashes of FT Thrones, hosted by Jack Higgins. New episodes coming from that soon, but we've got an interview up there with Jane McCarry um, that I was lucky enough to conduct myself, so go and check that out as well. And you can also check out the old episodes of First Time Films on Spotify and iTunes also. Aye, so um, Bars Lerman might be making uh, uh, Elvis biopic with Harry Styles. Um, it might be happening accordingly. Here, here, here. Oh, I'm going to stop you right there until you're mad <laughs> you right now, Trump. What happened in Elvis's life that deserves a biopic? Fuck all. He got good, he got bankrupt, he ate a lot, tonnes of drugs, did. There you go. I've seen that about Elton done. John, though. I didn't think an Elton John biopic would be interesting. It's been one of my favourite movies of the year so far. Of course it is. Why? Elton John... Like grew up with being homosexual was absolutely oh, being not gay on. doesn't make so, you interesting. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, but you know what makes you interesting? Colours of cocaine and shagging lots of women. That sounds like Elvis's biopic, which sounds amazing. <laughs> Jack Higgins. Actually, you know what? Jack's already sold it. I mean, Who I'm wants to learn about Elton John's and... like fucking speech impediment and being gay and then like, learn to play class piano? I'd rather see the fucking the dirty, gritty, Wait a minute, have you seen the movie then? Bud. No, I haven't. That but... was like very, the part of the classic piano was very specific for someone who hasn't seen the film. Like, the I was like, that's like a whole plot point in the movie. I was like, he must have seen the movie. What? What's a pure plot point? The... Like him playing classical piano. Well, obviously it'd be classical piano. Nah, I don't know. I don't know that going in. 
Here, right, speaking yeah. of, by the way, if you want to just stay on the yeah, subject for man. one more second, the person who directed Rocketman, which is... Was Dexter Fletcher. Uh, Dexter Fletcher. He is penned in to direct Sherlock Holmes 3. Nice. It was Ooh. Guy Ritchie who did the first two. Um, I like Guy Ritchie uh, <coughs> doing the first two. <laughs> but Dexter Fletcher <laughs> saved Bohemian Rhapsody. Did Rocketman. He's having a good run, so... Wait, did he do after um, uh, Brian Singer was sacked? He was the oh, one who was brought Singer. in to finish it. Yeah, Pedo. Bars Lovin doing Elvis is interesting because he has a very oh, unique no, I uh, think style. That for me, I mean, we were talking about this the other day, Tuff. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm quite excited for that. That sounds like a really interesting thing. Yeah. Uh, done Gatsby, didn't he? Bars Lovin. They did in the Romeo and Juliet. Really, um, really DiCaprio and Claire Danes. Uh, a really nice style, uh, doesn't he? Where it's really colourful, vibrant. He brings. Like, style, it just brings, brings a modern. It brings a modern, yeah, a modern style to like, uh, usually period, um, period films, doesn't it? Usually choose it like so. For Gatsby, obviously, was what nineteen twenties and stuff. Definitely, I. Uh, but but it had that real modern feel to it, the modern music. I um, think that was Jay Z was on the soundtrack for that as well. I think he did a really good job. Definitely, that. I think the soundtrack's overlooked. Um, definitely. Look, do you think it's a sign of the times uh, that Harry Styles has been considered for the league? Oh, 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 fuck off. Get it, fuck. Tough. Absolutely not on. Sorry, aunt listeners. I am so no. sorry. Look, let me pull it back. Right? The other person in contention for that role is Ansel Elgort from Baby Driver. Yes. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, I can see that. I think he's got like same with Harry Styles. He's got that kind of small yeah. like, No, but is Harry, had, has Harry Styles like, been tested enough as an actor to actually land such a role as Elvis Presley? Was he not in? Dunkirk? He was. Yeah, yeah exactly. Dunkirk. Was it? <laughs> Like he wasn't. He wasn't <laughs> really. He wasn't. He was, he was in. Is, but here's what I'm going to say to you, Jack. Though. Is Dunkirk a film where we appreciate actors and? I don't know. For me, it's a movie. You're, you're not. Oh, no, keep going. Jack. Keep going, but Jack, It's not... like it's it's like with an interview. Like they always say, "Oh, you're good, but you don't have enough experience." How is he going to get the experience if you don't give him that chance? If you're going to throw him I, in don't the deep end with like... a baby driver, it's like a baby uh, driver. Uh, um, Elvis, the Elvis, Elvis, baby Elvis. Um, <laughs> that's that's honestly like me wanting to be acting. Ah, you're going to have to be a fucking Spider Man, and I'm like, wow, you'll play fucking drug smugglers. You'll play. Uh, then you'll maybe get land a, a role of Gatsby, and then you'll play some fucking mad um, revenant <laughs> getting bashed off a bear, uh, and then you'll win your Oscar, and then uh, you'll get your Oscar. You Imagine need to fucking Harry Styles away got the role. Oscar for this first Done cut. Like... Yeah, I think Harry Styles was lucky enough to actually get on a, a Nolan film, uh, and for me, um, yeah, I think that, by the way, my, his first my... two movies are Nolan. And Bars Lerman. That's two big names Excellent. off the fucking dot, man. But, I mean, he's, he's a big... He's a, smashing, but he's no fucking he's proved name. the point. He's a big name. Know? He's not an actor, yeah. But Harry Styles can sell the movie. He's got a face. I was going to say, he's got a face you can sell. And uh, I think... Legion of fans. In my, gen, in my genuine opinion, in Dunkirk, he was just lucky not to fuck it up. Like... He didn't do anything that fucked it up. He didn't do anything for me that was actually brilliant. But, but I think that's a success for him because I know myself, and I'll be honest, going into it, I was more hypercritical of his performance than any other actor. You know what I mean? So the fact that I couldn't pick anything wrong oh, is mate, a testament to I, him. I'm a massive fan of Kelly uh, Murphy, so I, I thought he was brilliant in it. Yeah, but um, that's what I'm saying. Like, Tom Hardy, Murphy, I I mean, Tom Hardy, you don't even know it's Tom Hardy, but you just you, you like it. You like the character. You yeah. like what he brings to it. The wee, 
Uh, they've all got really dry lines. Obviously, it's war, so it's not exactly the wrong. What I'm accusing hey, you of, Jack, and I'm accusing myself of. What are you accusing thing. me of? I would say that we've wanted Harry Styles to fuck up a wee bit. No, I didn't. I didn't. I wish them all success, mate. But I was like. Hey, I just that stupid ice cream van, like, where is it not rounded? Arrived. Is there just a constant <laughs> scream of ice cream vans in Spaceton? What is it? I, I just want to say, there's Spaceton as a as a checkpoint for these vans. So. Oh, Jack, I completely get your point, Jack. From for me, I actually, <laughs> I actually like him. I like what he does. He's pals with Stevie Nicks. All right, I'm going. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Oh no, I, I'm, <laughs> like, I, I'm not even saying he doesn't deserve it. I just like I was merely posing the question: Has he been tested enough at the highest level? Because uh, he's Nolan's a Nolan's a brilliant guy to get on board with, and Nolan, as you as everyone knows, and in fact, as most successful actors, AI. Yeah, Directors, sorry, they have a, a bit of a clique with actors and, and they like to, to work with mm. the same people. It's all about, as you were saying earlier, like working relationships. So I think that's definitely um, I think you get on side with Nolan, you do a good job. There's no doubt something on the horizon uh, with either of the Nolan brothers or anyone that's um, involved with them. But Baz Luhrmann, as I said, brilliant. I think when he hasn't that, made a movie film, since that film will be brilliant. And I think I could see him as Elvis, but I just didn't know if he'd been tested enough really to deserve the role. Uh, when I look at Baby Driver now, um, what did you say his name was? Ansel I think, Elgort. I think that's a, a, also a really good, he's also a great actor, but and if you're looking at... Um, good singer like, as well. If you're thinking at like, if you're looking at likeness, mm-hmm. with Harry Styles, maybe be a bit better suited, and that's maybe where they've got that from. They're maybe going for a more of a Zac Efron, oh. uh, wicked, whatever you call it. Hell. Uh, it's extremely, extremely wicked, wicked and, and it's uh, extremely wicked and wildly <laughs> handsome. <laughs> uh, we'll move on from that story, but I will put out a poll um, on the social media. Is what would you? Who would you prefer to play Elvis? Uh, Harry Styles or Ansel Elgort? Um, uh, Jack Higgins. <laughs> Jack, I want to play it. <laughs> mate, no, have you been that, tested no, enough? No, I haven't, mate. But you got to give him the opportunity, mate. Like, <laughs> where am I going to get my experience? Uh, so when you go for a, it's when you go for an interview and you don't have experience. Do you know what you should have? Uh, you should have mentioned to Jane McCarry actually. Actually, I'm fucking gutted about. Uh, mind, I went for the the casting call for to play Victor in the the new seasons. Like, I can, yeah, um, I completely forgot about that. In the title sequence. Uh, I thought that would have been a good story. I wanted to. And I was going to do it. I wanted to talk to her about that. Well, my interview with uh, Jane McCarthy, <laughs> which does not feature a question about Jack Higgins' uh, still game edition, uh, can be found on FTV, <laughs> uh, which uh, will have more content in that channel, hosted by uh, the man himself, future Feels Elvis. Too. Richard Elvis impersonator, uh, Jack Higgins, uh, over there, ready <laughs> to go. Uh, the next story of the day, David Fincher's making a movie again. It's been a while. Um, he, he is, it's not Fight Club 2. Fight Club 2. It's a biopic. It is a biopic about two. the making of Citizen Kane, starring Gary Oldman. That's awesome to me, man. I don't, a biopic about making a film. Said, that, movie took, like, that movie is the first film what you would consider a movie to look like. There are so many things in that movie that just, like, paved the way. Like, you can watch that movie now and it still stands up. No, and not again, I, I think we understand that, but it's just such a weird... See, you that, I don't know. I've not seen it's, Citizen Kane, however. It's not, like, no, no one is... And so they're making, basically, a mockumentary. <laughs> it's a about, mockumentary. 
Uh, that doesn't sound like a bad film. idea, Luke. It's, I actually think, I don't know, just off talking sake, if you've got wrestling <laughs> in that, it actually could be a nice movie. It's just saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm how dare you, sir? Fucking how shit. dare you? I'm going to say, uh, yeah, no, I don't get it. I don't get movie. it. There's a story to be told there. David Fincher has not made a bad movie outside of Alien Three. So, and that was his. That was his first. No, no, no. No, that, that was his first movie. Mate. That was his very first film. Well, but look what he made after Pash. that. I exactly. It wasn't the experienced enough. It wasn't experienced enough, and they gave him Alien Three. Oh, exactly. Mate, it was it like, look, Seven, one of my favorite movies of all time. Fight Club, <laughs> great movie. Zodiac, great movie. Social Network, phenomenal movie. Gone Girl, really good movie, and all. The man has a stellar record. I will not bet against him. Alien Three. Watch Alien Three and he followed him. Alien Three with Seven. Can he? It's pish. <laughs> I haven't seen Alien 3 or 7 and what? although I didn't Alien actually still awful. get into 7 that's uh, like losing <laughs> 7 nil the next game you win 1 nil. you lost 7 or 1 nil. you still oh, lost 7 nil. oh jeez oh man that's at least a 17,000 <laughs> to 1 scoreline there Sonny alright Sonny <laughs> <Jimmy. laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I was saying. Um, you fucked that a bit, didn't you? The Mulan trailer. Uh, I never actually, but I'm pure buzzing. I love Mulan. Oh, mate, um, that is honestly. <laughs> used, I, I I don't know if he's been sarcastic or not. <laughs> mate, he doesn't he like I'm Mulan? Never, he's an I'm idiot. a Disney freak. I'll watch every Disney film and. Well, that's an excellent. I've news never seen Mulan. Mate, how have you not seen Mulan? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've just never appealed to me. I'm not racist, but it's never appealed to me. Um, but like, see, like that. I've seen every other Disney film from that oh, era. Man. Like my favorite one, probably that came out of that was Hercules. But oh, mate, it's actually I just can't. Mulan does not. I don't. See, I'll tell you how much I know oh. about Mulan through Kingdom Hearts. I swim, and the fact that they, the yeah. one, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I go, yes. Yes. down to business. Here's what I'm going to say: the trailer looks incredible. It looks it? amazing. Oh me! I'm yes. not gonna. I'm not gonna lie to you, but am I annoyed? The songs aren't there. Aye. But all the songs. There's no mm-hmm. songs in it. At all. Yeah, it's not. It's not going to be a musical. Are you sure? It's a war movie. Yep, one hundred percent. Ooh. I still it's, like that though. I still like. They've it, changed mate. the villain and all, and there's no Mushu. Oh, well, I like a Mushu at least. No Mushu, mate. They're doing a realistic taking Mulan. This is what you asked for, Jack Higgins, with all your talk of realism. All right, this is what you've done. To no, us. I want to have beautiful <laughs> mind, like, psycho thriller. Guess you say. <laughs> Here, is this yeah, a Disney movie? I'm, 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 I'm actually buzzing for that. I'm actually quite like Mulan. it. I'm taking to it. Right, so I've had gonna... Mulan. I've had to see what I was, I kind of. Mm. My what I would say is the the weakness or the the downfall of uh, the new Lion King is that like it's just going to be the exact same. Like I, mm-hmm. from what I can see, they've already like essentially directed the same scenes, um, or similarly. Do you know what I mean? So there's nothing really like new to the film. So I think the Mulan like getting a really gritty war story about this obviously this woman masquerading as a man in the in the army. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it could be. A brilliant, I think it's a brilliant story, an underlooked like story, in the terms of Disney. 
Yeah, well, you I, know, I don't disagree with you. Would I want to hear? I would have wanted to just you? to give it a mystical. I would like to keep it a bit kind of uh, magic, an element of magic to it. I would like a wee Mushu in there, like a wee dragon thing, um, and it means. It? And well, okay, I'm just saying that's all I would like. And it's your fault. Uh, and maybe there will be. A, she'll have a companion of some sorts, and there'll still be fucking uh, the three guys and that, and they'll be a good laugh. Oh, will they? Oh, uh, we don't know that, mate. We don't fucking laugh. know that, do we? Uh, I'm not happy. Well, it's Nikki Carroll who's directing it, and she's the second female director to be given over a hundred million dollar budget for a movie. Woo! Ever. Go Nikki. Yeah. Aye, Patty Jenkins was obviously the first for Wonder Woman, which I enjoyed. I was really sick when I seen Wonder Woman in it. Still enjoyed it, so I suppose that's a good thing. Aye. Well, uh, speaking of, and the just talking about Disney, uh, well, I wanted to talk about I'm that as our next story because the initial reactions have came I don't out for us. We've managed to gather a couple here. Um, Steve Weintraub said he was lucky to have attended a number of world premieres, but he's not sure he's ever heard as much clapping during a movie as he did at the Lion King. It was like being at a rock concert, he said. Uh, he is the man who runs a collider. Wow. Um, we also had, um, try to look for the other ones that I looked through here. Rachel Rachel Hines said she was absolutely blown away uh, by the Lion King. Incredible sorry, visuals and voice work. Cried all her makeup off. Timon and Trumba brought me back from the edge. Would die for Simba. Was what she said. A very... Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, very powerful review. Oh, my pleasure, did. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I was uh, see the see uh, Donald Glover he's, as much, he's just such a cool guy as it is right but and I think he was perfectly casted as Simba because Simba is very cool and I watched them um, a clip of uh, Akuna Matata and so see when mm. Akuna Matata's going mm-hmm. on and it's going through like mm-hmm. the years of Simba growing up with Timon and Pumbaa and then like uh, Simba jumps out the bush and it's uh, yeah. Michael J. Fox, and it's, it means no worries. It's exact bit when Donald Clover, and I'm like, this is such a perfect casting. And then, like, I didn't think oh, that Seth Rogen and Edgy yeah. for Timon would be, like, decent. I, like, uh, give it justice. And honestly, I think they've nailed it. Um, and see, the I've seen Disney release the opening. Yeah. So they've released the circle of life, the opening, when Simba gets raised by uh, Rafiki. And that's another thing. It's, it just looks, scene for scene, amazing. And I usually get raging, like, for example, uh, this is two weeks in a row I mentioned this. Why? Film, but what is your, what's your angle here? Why do you keep bringing up re- Stop mentioning Vince Bond's name on this uh, fucking podcast. He knows I it. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but I remake, I, rem- I, I didn't mean remake it. But um, mm-hmm. the the fact that they remade Cycle scene for scene it annoyed me. I I get it. It's not that. It's not even that. I like, don't like that. Why would you? Not? I understand it for Lion King, but I think it's quite an interesting take on Mulan. I'm not actually opposed to the idea um, well, of it being like more gritty and like le- less like just not the same film. As we have I mean. had some negative buzz come out of it. Um, it's like a uh, Little Mermaid and stuff as well. Obviously, we've had quite a lot. Of, Controversy surrounding that. And... Oh, do we want to talk about that? Oh, I, was, of course I, we do. I was just thinking three white men talking about this is probably. <laughs> I wasn't sure what we can offer the conversation. Really. Well, it doesn't um, matter. I just <laughs> think she's a fucking she's a fucking mere person, so it doesn't really matter regardless of like. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I get me. I do get me. And, 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 and I even having said that, I'm going to use your Harry Styles argument against you. Never seen her in anything else. I know she's a good singer, but. 
like this is an well, untested I'm, actress I taking the role. Who it is that's been casted? I just think it's absolutely ridiculous that anyone's worried about the race of a character, um, a cartoon character for that. And uh, but then, you know, it's um, it's no, the story itself. Yeah, is about as about. A what do we make? What, 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 what so it make, What do we make of Melissa McCartney uh, being cast or being heavily rumored to be cast as Ursula? Uh, don't know. Ursula's purple, so can she even do that? It's kind of white, isn't she? <laughs> it's a bit white for that. Uh, shut up! Come on, <laughs> don't do that. Oh, you're making me laugh. Uh, oh, you're making me laugh. <laughs> you're making me laugh right now. Um, aye, uh, I wanted to say there was some negative buzz about the Lion King. Um, Laura Pruden uh, said that ultimately the Lion King will be a touching introduction. It's a timeless story for a new generation, but she'd never rewatch it over the original. Um, and Dan Murrell from Screen Junkies, who's a reviewer, who I happen to agree with quite a lot. Everyone has a reviewer that they can touch base with who they'll have similar tastes in movies. He said that he really didn't take to this film. He said it looked great, but he said there's actually all the emotional beats from the original didn't feel as heavy in this new remake. So, yeah, not sure about The Lion King from that. Um, we do have one last story to get to. Look, I'm going to come to you on this first. Maleficent. Mm. Fuck off. <laughs> Mate, right, so the first one was made and no one knows why it was made. And it did it did it make actually did it make I money? It. <laughs> of course you didn't, Mr. Really, Prequel Villains Man. I didn't mind it. I really didn't mind it. I liked it. I liked that she was a pixie or whatever she was, like a fairy or something that met her. I was like, oh, what? I never even thought Fuck of that. Up. I thought she was a big... Shut up right now. You're this she was... <laughs> Look, you have your answer. I thought <laughs> she was a big is... raven thing, and now, and now she's like, wow. And I thought, I don't know. There's See, no right I... story. Why don't need a number it... two. I won't... I'll be, I'll be lying if I said I was joking for a second, not efficient. However, didn't mind the first one. The and... first did make money as well. The first set was made for like 180 million. To... brilliant, and I've always enjoyed her. And everything I've seen her in. She's a lovely... Lovely human being, uh, and I think she's done the role, the role justice. I thought she was really well casted in a movie that potentially could have been better, but like, not not the worst thing I've ever seen. That's the biggest defense of this movie I've ever heard in my life. Like, <laughs> I know that was a big defense for that. Absolutely, I, I think I think I went to see it with Mary. Was it Mary? I went to see it with Mary. I see it with Mary. She would have elevated the experience because she's a massive Disney fan. And she's also just really fun to be around, isn't she, my sister? Aye, and you can hear her on <laughs> FTTV podcast. <laughs> yes. But do we need Maleficent, Mistress of Evil? The, my biggest problem with it, the story's going to be the same as the last one. Oh, she's ba- she was good, but now she's bad. Oh, no, it turns out she was good all along. That's but now same, she's bad. That's the same story. That's the same story again, except this time you've put in bloody, um, what's her face in it? Um, Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, I still eat yeah. your heart out, Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, still uh, looks hot. By see, the before way. Jack rudely butted in and told me how his absolute huge defence on this <laughs> case against Maleficent. Um, me, Maleficent is a pile of fish, right? I'm not, um, and say your name right. It's Maleficent. I'm gonna say it. I say tenant wrong as well. And that annoys a lot of Maleficent. <laughs> but see the fact that. They're making a sequel for a start, right? Oh, they've made a sequel. I mean, what the fuck you want to say? But it's the fact that they think, I don't know, like, does Angelina Jolie, is she backing this? Is that yeah. so much uh, stuff behind it? Mate, she loves the money. Like, she needs she it for all those. Money. Here, speaking of Jolie, oh, right, I watched Wanted the other night, and, she, and that film, 
I remember that film in a lot better than it was. She, oh, she's awful. She's pish. Oh come on! Uh, she's going to be wanted class, but it's something. Oh, she's joining the MCU, mate. Like you're going to get on board with Angelina or get what? off the train, but watch, watch me eat my own words, and then I see the Eternals and go, "Oh my god!" Always loved our biggest fan, Mister and Missy Smith. Here we go. <laughs> Eternals is like um, oh, it was like a group of godlike characters in the MCU. Jack. Oh, what class! Um, so she's going to play one. Apparently, Keanu Reeves is going to play oh, one. Oh yeah! Uh, we're getting all the beautiful people together. Reeves. <laughs> 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 fucking so close. <laughs> um, yeah, David, I'm going to just interrupt you there and say that um, for the listeners, um, my girlfriend Kerry, a featured guest who doesn't speak, is always here. Um, and she's just literally said, Excuse me, this podcast is killing my vibe. Vibe. <laughs> Tell her to shut up. Tell her to shut the fuck up. Well, because Kerry. I've just. Um, I Jack. want to know what Tough just said. It's not Tough, it's Jack. <laughs> right. I'm sick and tired of this, so I'm going to end the show now. Um, I had know. other things to talk about. But well, uh, it's, it's, uh, you better bring that up with your girlfriend, Luke. So next time, uh, we will be discussing... Uh, <laughs> wow. Next week, we'll be discussing uh, Blade Runner, I believe. Is it? Is that next week? Oh, mate. That'll be class. Who's got the schedule? I'm getting up right now. Does anybody even care anymore? <laughs> uh, no, because apparently the podcast kills people's vibes, so I, I don't know why I should oh, no. But the thing uh, is, Kerry will then listen to this time. back next week and be absolutely delighted. Um, <laughs> Just to hear your voice. Uh, oh, we've got like, a week off. Handsome boy. And oh, We've got a week off. We've got a week off, and then we are... I've had a week off for about three weeks, man. <laughs> we're both <coughs> Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049, which I've seen neither of, so I'm very excited. Oh, you should be excited, mate. Uh, and it, wait, listen, it's going to be a big week uh, next week. Uh, we also, well, not next week, but the week after, the pitch battle title will be on the line. It will be Jack and Luke uh, taking on the champion, if we want to call her that. Has she ever been here? No. Uh, Rachel Campbell will be defending the title against Jack and Luke. Um, and also, me and AJ will be having words uh, regarding Pitch Battle 2. Um, her and Ian, very annoyed they didn't make it to Pitch Battle 1 um, after their impressive performances in the past. So we need to see what get will be the situation get up with them. that. That's what I say. Get up. <laughs> Just get up. You missed a chance. I'm sick of it. Uh, so there's a lot of Pitch Battling going on. Um, on the next show we're going to be doing Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049 um, after that um, Jack will be hosting a Silence of the Lambs show uh, Luke is going to be hosting a Baby Driver show as well yes uh, so there's a lot there's a lot coming up there is oh, a it's lot it's all fucking happening in the also also want to reiterate there's a Spider-Man review out and I'm hoping that everybody's listening to it and everyone loves their opinions and loves the fact that I spoiled it in 2.3 seconds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you did do that. And there's <laughs> of new content out. We're, we're churning out so much content. It's unbelievable. No, I, like, I like far. fucking factory into it. It's a big... We are cogs in a machine at this point, people. Um, save us. All right. Enjoy. Save us. <laughs> Enjoy the show. See you next time. Until then. Catch you after. Go fuck yourselves. Love yous. Wow. <laughs>